Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So far our text. What better story to to display the importance of brotherly love than Cain and Abel? I mean, after all, they were the original brothers. And you remember the story, how Cain was so excited and so proud of Abel for giving such a wonderful offering that he took him out into the field and killed him. Definitely a tale of two brothers here. Because Abel was very much the person, the person that the psalmist is thinking of in the psalm this morning. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Moses tells us that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock in their fat portions. That he went and took the time to gather up the best of what he had in order to give to God. And therefore, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. The psalm also says, You are not a God who delights in wickedness. As God calls out to Cain, He says, The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. How differently two people can be. Where Abel is going through and making sure he has the best of everything to offer. Cain, when God comes to him, says, Am I my brother's keeper? I mean, after all, Abel, yes, was a keeper of sheep. So, Cain is using God's own words in describing Abel against him. Like, am I supposed to watch him like he's one of the sheep wandering off somewhere? He's a grown man. He should be able to do it himself and take care of himself. Very much the idea behind our opening hymn this morning, where the second verse says, Days and months and years unfolding clearly showed what sin had wrought. Fallen Adam's children learning lessons, fallen parents taught. Cain gets asked, where's your brother? He asks, am I my brother's keeper? Very much like his parents in the garden. Did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The one I told you not to eat from. And Adam says, well, she gave it to me. She says, well, the serpent told me to. We don't learn, do we? We keep doing the same thing. And it's God's words to Cain that give us great insight into the problem we have. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. That's each and every one of us. Sin is crouching at our door, waiting for us to open the door, to tackle us, to pin us down and make us submit to it. And God says, if you want to do good, you must rule over it. 
How well is that going for you? Not very well. Because as the psalm reminds us of our own sinful nature, we don't want to think of ourselves like this, but truly inside of each of us, their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with the tongue. Cain tried it with God, using God's own words about Abel to try to explain why he didn't have to know where Abel was at all times. But then God says, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. You shall be taken away from the family and forced to live off on your own. Truly, Cain's words are very correct when he says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. I mean, okay, this is Cain and Abel. This is a story we've learned since we were little about how to not mess with our brothers and sisters and be nice to them. We've learned from then. No. Because Jesus' brothers were no different. Today the church celebrates St. James of Jerusalem, Jesus' brother. One who received a special appearance by Jesus after the resurrection to confirm everything that he said. Because up until that point, James thought he was crazy. We hear from John chapter 7. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booze was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. His brothers probably spurred on by James are saying, if you're really the Messiah like you keep saying that you are, if you are really somebody important, go be somewhere important. Go to Jerusalem for the feast. Be there. Show everybody. Mocking and taunting their brother because they would not believe that somebody in their family would be so important. And then if we go out from not only the physical brothers, but the brothers in the country, especially led by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had taken God's Word that He had revealed through the Old Testament and turned it upside down on its head. As we see from the parable this morning that Jesus tells, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank You that I am not like other men especially like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I tithe of everything I get. You should be honored that I come into your presence. That's not the way the Old Testament describes it, is it? But they had taken the minutia of the law and made it the important part. As Jesus will later say, You tithe of mint and cumin and herbs and spices, but you forget the weightier parts of the law, like justice and mercy. But then we get to the people closest to Jesus, His own disciples and the apostles. We hear it this morning. Parents were bringing even infants to Jesus that He might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. 
saying, Jesus does not have time for children. Jesus has to deal with us adults. And that's all. And Jesus has to rebuke them. Because even the children belong to the kingdom of God. Later on, it's Judas that betrays Jesus into the hands of the chief priest. In the garden of Gethsemane, all the disciples fled and left him. Peter, standing just yards away from Jesus in Caiaphas' courtyard, denied even knowing him three times. As Jesus had said to Peter at that night, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Very similar to the words God spoke to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. You must master and rule over it. Satan wants to sift you like wheat, Peter. And sifted he got. It's like, well, okay, this is all before the resurrection. This is all before everything started being good. What about us in the church? How brotherly and sisterly are we? Paul writes to Timothy, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. At my trial in Jerusalem, or even in Caesarea, where was the church? Where were the leaders? Where were James and all the rest? Not there. They had abandoned him. In our office hymn this morning, we see great comfort. In God, my faithful God, I trust when dark my road. Great woes may overtake me, yet He will not forsake me. Paul goes on to say, But the Lord was there, stood by me, and strengthened me. And even later on, Revelation shows us as Jesus is dictating the letters to the seven churches who received the first copies, what happens when the church starts moving away from the Lord, her Lord and His teachings, and what a mess we find ourselves in. And 1,900 years later, we still find ourselves in very similar messes. So what do we do? How do we fix this problem? We listen to Jesus and His words to the disciples in our Gospel reading this morning. Let the children come to Me. And do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He brings the children out as an example. An example of humility. An example of faith in the promise that is there. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke tells us, Jesus told this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated each other with treated others with contempt. Those who thought, well, I'm better than you are. Whether it's a better Jew, better Christian, it still happens the same way. But the psalm helps us out with the prayers against those who are boastful and haughty. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, for you hate all evildoers. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Let them fall by their own counsels. And how many times is it that when we think we're doing so well, it's the very thing that we think we have conquered that ends up conquering us right away. 
So Jesus ends that parable. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He goes on to say, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That childlike humility, that trust in the promise and the words told to them that bring them the great joy. The psalm again reminds us, but I, not because I'm such a wonderful person, not because I fast twice a week or do all these other good things, but through the abundance of your steadfast love, I will enter your house. Not anything I did, but the steadfast love of God. The love of God shown in the shedding of His blood. Whereas we'll sing to end our service, grace and life eternal in that blood I find. Blessed be His compassion, infinitely kind. Because that is what brotherly love is. It's humility. It's mercy. It's compassion. So the psalm reminds us, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Let them be like the tax collector, standing afar off, who would not even lift up his eyes to heaven in prayer, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Show your mercy, your compassion, your humility, and coming down to be with me. Where Abel's blood cried out from the ground for vengeance against Cain, Jesus' shed blood from the cross cries out for our pardon. From His riven side forever flows the purest stream of love. Love that robes us with the raiment worn by all who feast above. So how do we show brotherly love? We follow our Lord's example. We follow His humility. We follow His mercy. We follow His compassion. As we sang to begin the service, taste and see the bliss of heaven known by saints around the throne where the Lamb in closest union lives to love and feed His own. We love those who are our own. As Paul writes to the Galatians, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We begin with our fellow Christians, showing that humility, that compassion, that mercy. But we don't stop it in these four walls. We go out to let that bleed over into our lives outside of these walls. Knowing that it's not just our physical brothers and sisters. It's not just our spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. But all of us are descendants of Adam and Eve. All of us are just like Cain and Abel. And then we serve all people. As Jesus laid down His life so that we might have abundant life, we lay aside our pride, our goods, and we seek to serve in humility and mercy and compassion. Surrounding the sanctuary this morning are the quilts done by the comforters over the last year that are heading out to Lutheran World Relief this weekend. Simple things like the making of quilts, handing them out to people 
who are in need of them just for the warmth to cover them up with. Simple, humble things like that is where we can start with showing our brotherly love. Showing them the mercy of our Lord who is taking care of all of our needs, both physical and spiritual, that we might help to take care of others' needs, both physical and spiritual. All of it done with the compassion that we have been shown. Because that is truly what brotherly love is. Compassion, mercy, and humility. Amen.